You're listening to The Building Code, your guide to a better way to run your business. I'm Tom Houghton. I'm Paul Worth. And once again, we're recording at home during this time of coronavirus, COVID-19. And joining us on this podcast, we're honored to welcome Ernie Goss. He's the Jack McAllister Chair in Regional Economics at Creighton University. Welcome to the podcast, Ernie. Hey, Tom. Good to be with you and Paul. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's a it's a tough time, but you know we we economists seem to be in high demand during these tough times, like a weather forecaster in a tornado. You know, <laughs> I don't know if our value goes up, but people tend to listen to us a little more. Sure, absolutely, and that's that's what we're here to do today. We would love to get some insight from you with all the data points that you're seeing and your background and experience, which is very impressive. And I would encourage our listeners to go on to our show notes which is at buildertrend.com slash podcast, just to see all of your uh, great history, great work. You've got quite the uh, rap sheet there for you. Well, when you get to me my age, you, you gotta, you're going to have a rap sheet. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it just goes, goes to the territory. But yeah, you, you have to understand, we, we academics, we, if we go to the restroom, we put it on our resume. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, Ernie. Well, we're obviously talking about how uh, our current situation in the entire world, how it's all being affected by this COVID-19, the coronavirus. And of course, you know, our listeners being in the construction industry, they definitely want to know, you know, what the forecast might look like. And we know you don't have a crystal ball there, but we also know that you've got access to some numbers and some data that could definitely help give us a better picture of what it might look like. Sure. And, uh, you know, we've done, since the coronavirus became sort of um, headline news in the U.S., we've conducted two surveys. We do two monthly surveys here at Creighton University, and we've done one of manufacturers. Now, that came about the third or fourth week of, between the third and fourth week of February, so it was a bit early. And then we did the other one was uh, the uh, the uh, third Thursday in March, and it was a survey of bank CEOs in rural areas of 10 states. These are, in both cases, we're talking about states in the midsection of the country. And this latest survey was uh, much more, much tougher read uh, because it came more recently. So it's, the, in other words, the numbers are not getting better, they're getting worse. And the bankers were a bit more pessimistic than the manufacturers. Interesting. Why do you think that is? Well, the, the, in the rural areas, they had, we, we're talking about agriculture and energy. In North Dakota, for example, that's one of our survey states. Uh, obviously, uh, your listeners know that uh, energy is being hammered. I mean, it, it, we're talking about a bloodbath out there. So we've got the supply situation with uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia of trying to force out some of the shale producers in the U.S., and they're doing a good job of it. And uh, we're seeing that. And so the rural areas depend on energy taking a real hit. And then also the rural areas that depend on agriculture taking a hit until the last day or two, agricultural commodity prices had, I won't say they'd gotten hammered, not like oil, but they weren't doing well. And uh, ag income, you know, we had, uh, you know, uh, Tom and Paul, we had, uh, as you know, the um, Trump administration had negotiated uh, a phase one deal with China in January and also the USMCA, that's the trade agreement with Canada 
and Mexico. And those are really, those are good news. And all of a sudden we're seeing 2020 look a little bit better, a good bit better. But then uh, we didn't envision, none of us, I don't think, no, well, I don't know anyone that saw the coronavirus, at least these impacts coming. And now it's, it's really hitting. But I have to say that said, the rural areas are not gonna are gonna fare better than urban areas, but still get hit. There's no doubt about it. There will be a hit. Uh, we're in the first quarter of 2020, of course, the final month of that, and it's probably it's so bad in for March that we're probably in the first quarter of a recession. The second quarter of the recession will be next quarter, of course, beginning in April, and to, and we're gonna have a data releases that just are not going to be good there i would i'll use a good old economic term scary they're going to be scary and uh the best part about it is we've come through some of these and people sit, compare it to 9-11 no not like 9-11 this is much more dire much more significant uh, we've heard it compared to the 2008-2009 recession, nope, this is gonna be much deeper. Now the duration is gonna be shorter, at least I think it will be, but that will depend on whether we get a vaccine and whether we get some sort of a, a cure for those who are infected. I know those, that's outside my area of expertise, of course, and uh, we don't know that right now, but uh, I would argue that at least from my vantage point right now as an economist, it's gonna be a more of a V-shaped recovery. Once the recovery begins, it's gonna be up more than what we saw in 2008 and nine, which is more of a U-shaped recovery. In other words, the recession then was, of course, about 18 months in length. I think this one's gonna be two or three months in length. Again, depending on, uh, and those, we'll just have to wait and see the, the medical issues, and I don't, I have no idea how this is going to proceed in terms of infection rates and death rates. Sure. Well, I guess the good news is it sounds like recovery could come pretty quickly. I am curious. So, you know, you've published more than 100 studies and you focus primarily on the economic forecasting. So maybe you could share with our listeners some of the early indicators that you see that show the future strength or weakness in our economy. Like what specifically are you looking for? If you, I mean, you don't, we're not looking for the trade secrets here because obviously <laughs> we're probably not going to understand it either. But if you could give us just a few pointers of stuff that you're seeing yeah. that kind of shows that, uh, that'd be helpful. Well, you know, Tom, the, and this will, this will put me out of work right here. The best thing in my judgment uh, that's consistent, pretty good indicator, is the, ten, the U.S., the 10-year, the yield on the U.S., 10-year US, U.S. Treasury bond, and it dipped to half a percent, a half a percent uh, this month. And why did it? Why did that happen? And why is it a good indicator? It there was so much fear out there, so much uncertainty that investors turned to the most trusty, trustworthy uh, investment instrument around. That's a 10-year U.S. Treasury bond that was globally. So that pushed up the price and pushed down the yield again to a half a percent. Now. And people say, well, I don't know what a half percent is. I don't know what that means. Well, if your inflation rate was, it was running at a one and a half to two percent, well, you don't need an economist to tell you to subtract those one from the other and you get a, a negative return of about one percent. In other words, your rate of return holding the safest instrument is negative. That's So that's how bad it was. Also, uh, we do a survey of bank CEOs. Our rural Main Street survey 
took its biggest one month dip since we began the survey in 2006. That's how bad it was. It was well below growth neutral, and these are these are uh, uh, numbers that range between zero and 100, with 50 being growth neutral. This was in the 30s, low 30s, so that was not good. We survey manufacturers. That's most of your listeners probably familiar with that. The PMIs, the purchasing management indices, and those are global. You see those for the U.S. You see them for our region. You see them for China. You see them for Europe and so on. Those numbers for all the regions are below. Will be our our number will be. It was well. It will be below growth neutral. Our number will come out next uh, the first of April. That's the next number. It will be below growth neutral now. Maybe I'm going to be shocked. If it is above growth neutral, I will be shocked. So those are just some indicators. But the best number to keep an eye on are those yields. And, of course, the stock market looking ahead. And as, uh, you know, we've seen now two days of uh, pretty good readings on the stock market. But as some, is sometimes said, uh, buy, buy, buy the rumor, sell the news. And I think, you know, with the Congress debating, the bill to uh, subsidize or support uh, industries. Uh, some people call it a bailout bill. When that's passed, and that's what I think, I think that's what investors are looking for, passage. So they're buying the rumor that it will pass. And then when we see actual passage, which is likely to come uh, today as we speak, and uh, then news, the news uh, se- uh, sell, uh, we're buying the rumor and selling the news tomorrow. I still think, you know, if you're talking about the stock market, I think, you know, dollar cost averaging is what you need to do here. In other words, don't don't put all your money in at any one time because the timing a bottom or trying to pick a bottom is, is impossible. So buy tomorrow, maybe buy a little bit tomorrow, a little bit next week, a little bit the following week. If you think the market uh, is moving lower, and I think it will move lower. That's some great advice there. I'm curious how much you think that fear is actually controlling the numbers versus actual data since you work with so much data. You know, how much of this is, in your opinion, all of these numbers, you know, the stock market widely swinging? How much is it, how much of it is fear versus actual data? Well, it, it is, as you say, Tom, it is fear. And how, how do I judge that? Look at the VIX. Uh, <clears throat> that's the uh, uh, Chicago Board of Exchange Volatility Index. That number reached in the 80s, which was, a, that's the highest on, on record, meaning the higher the number, the more the puts. It's a ratio of puts to calls. Puts is the, those individuals that are betting against the market. Calls are those who are betting for the market, meaning good times. So the re- that record of those who are betting against it, uh, against those who are betting for the market, was at a record high. So that's one measure. But back to, to your question also, Tom, we're, we're looking, I'm a fundamental, uh, if, I, if you, I don't want to call me an invest, investment person. I'm not qualified. I'm an economist, not an investment advisor. So that said, I look at PEs, price earnings ratios. We know the price, the stock, we don't know the earnings. So you're right, you're absolutely right that it's uncertainty that's driving it. We do not know the numbers. We do not know the earnings. That's that's where the uncertainty comes in. That's where the risk comes in. And that's what we're seeing right now. Until we see some earnings coming out and seeing how much the earnings change, we're, in the, we're working in the blind. For example, REITs, uh, uh, Real Estate Investment Trust, the construction uh, real investment trust, some of those are doing 
fine. Some of them are not doing fine. And those that are not doing fine are those connected to retail, those, those connected to hospitality, because individuals are just not out there buying. They're not walking around and they're not taking cruises and not going on vacations. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of great stuff there. Um, Ernie, when you talk about a recession and then getting out of that recession with that V, uh, am I correct that typically in the recent past, like housing's really led some of that? Some of that? Do you have any insight there? It is, Paul. And, and uh, I, I, my, my background, uh, no, not my professional background, my growing up background, I come out of the construction industry. My brothers, my father, everybody, I'm the ne'er-do-well that went into academics. <laughs> so um, they, uh, it is a good leading economic indicator. Uh, in some in some cases, it just depends. Like what happened, you know, in my own, I'll, I don't mean to get too personal in this, but the last downturn, I bought real estate. I bought, and then for my, in my little world, I, I put, I bet heavily on real estate going forward and it's paid off. In other words, I bought properties, housing, and I've now, though, I own those as rental properties, but now the rent, my property managers are sending me letters saying, hey, get ready because you're not going to be getting your rents on time this, this time of year. And by the way, some of the properties owner in Georgia telling me that uh, in, the magistrates are saying no, for, no uh, evictions, which I, I go along with. But it, what they're preparing me for is uh, it's going to be tough in terms of my rents. My, so those individuals out there that depend, depend on rentals, um, at least uh, uh, housing rentals, now, some of the package that's coming forth from Congress is going to support some of that rentals. And so those individuals that, for example, leasing properties in, in industrial and commercial, uh, there's going to be some money coming forth from the, from the federal uh, government. So that's a good thing. Now, for those of us like me that's invest that uh, rents to the individual markets, not much there. I, don't, I haven't seen anything there for me, but that's okay. That doesn't mean it's a bad bill. Ernie, just curious about your take on this bill that's potentially passing this $2, billion, $2 trillion. What kind of impact, you know, there's obviously the uh, positive side of it, which seems like this uh, influx of cash for individuals. Uh, but what, what are, are there any negative long-term effects on, I mean, this like $2 trillion, that's so much money. <laughs> oh, man, that is, as you say, Tom, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's big. And how big is it? Well, our economy is 22 trillion. So you're talking about the two trillion plus of the bill, plus the one and a quarter deficit we were already in. So we're we're having running a deficit probably in 2020 that could be as high as uh, three to oh, it'll be three trillion dollars. It's going to be probably north of three trillion dollars, and. The, here's the really important point for all of us, and particularly those in, in real estate, particularly for those in real estate and finance, that we, uh, we are the, um, the destination for a lot of investment funds coming from China, Japan, India, uh, Great Britain, Europe, uh, the rest of Europe. And, and what's going to happen with this huge deficit, we're going to have to issue a lot of bonds, we, meaning the Treasury, U.S. Treasury. That's going to siphon off some uh, debt, and uh, there, the I think investors are going to be less receptive to U.S. debt, 
and thus the interest rates are going to have to rise, have to rise, Tom. I mean, when we run these deficits and debt, is the debt, U.S. debt, uh, not the deficit is going to be three to four trillion dollars this year, probably. That's my estimate. And then that we've already have a debt of, of uh, probably 22 trillion. Well, somebody has to fund that and they're going to be less willing to fund it because there are only three, in terms of the debt, and those who are younger than me, I'm a baby boomer, those who are uh, millennials, they're going to have to pay it. And they're going to pay it either with inflation, with higher interest rates or higher taxes. My guess is higher interest rates. So that's going to be a restraint long term for real estate. And it's very big concern from, for me. And for your listeners out there, I would just advise borrow now because it could get the interest rates are, are long term. Now I'm talking about long term. Now long term being more than a year out are going to have to go be rising to accommodate this this huge deficit, this huge debt that we, the federal government, is is about to is is saddled with. That's that's some great advice, and uh, you know, I, I again, I just hearing that number two trillion dollars it's just so staggering um but let's try to turn let's try to turn the page a little bit and maybe talk about any bright spots that you might see in your uh, recent economic report that you put together any positive news to share oh absolutely i mean there is some great and positive news i mean i've been in my office now home office i've been out of my creighton office now for a week and I've been, I, I've, I think my productivity's up, if you can believe it, but it probably needed to rise anyway, but uh, it didn't need to rise anyway. But I'm, I mean, we're, we're going to be able to, we're conducting classes online. Our expertise is growing daily. The technology is catching up. We're going to be, uh, education is going to be, for example, ever changed because of this. We're going to, and when I get students back in the classroom, when I'm in person teaching, I'm going to be running hybrid classes. In other words, when a student is out of, has to miss because of illness, that student's going to be able to go online and get that lecture to look at, to see what I'm doing. I use, usually use a computer in class. I'll use Excel and so on, other technologies. And they're going to be able to see it and they can slow it down. They can repeat it. So that's going to, that's a big plus K through 12 education, same thing. Government, we're going to be, the government is going to have to catch up by offering us the ability to go online and do lots of things like getting your driver's license, all these other sorts of things. So there's some, there are some real, real positives. For example, in the construction industry, I, I remember years ago I was teaching a, a class and I said, you know, at some point in time, individuals are going to be able to go online before they buy a house. And they're going to be able to look at the house and go through it with a video and people are like, ah, I doubt that. Look what's going on now. The ability to look at that house, to look at what's going on there, to see the house, to look at look at all the history of the house, look at sales prices, being able to go into seeing what the property taxes are, all those things. It's it's so, so in, increasingly fascinating and adds to our productivity. We've just got to get through, we've got to get up, started up on that V that I talked about. And we're going to need, it, of course, the vaccine. And, and I'll leave that to, of course, the physician, the, the scientific community, the medical community. 
Sure. Yeah. Lots of great minds coming together for that, which is, which is great. You know, I feel very optimistic about that as well. And, and of course, like you said, now this has kind of nudged us all to rely on technology so much more. And uh, it's been great to see all the new solutions that people are coming out with. And of course, you know, us here at Builder Trend, you know, we've got a project management platform for construction professionals that can help them wherever they're working, whether they're home office or out in the field, if they're still doing uh, the essential work that they need to do, we're right there beside them and and ready and willing, able to help uh, get their construction projects finished. And then we're ready for that V to take off to to have that quick recovery and lead the way out of this little uh, downturn we've had here. Absolutely. Like, you know, uh, uh, Tom and Paul, like, uh, for example, being able to do, uh, not write checks to to your uh, work with your employees, but uh, sending it online, Venmo or whatever, uh, you know, there there's so many opportunities and advantages. What what's going to happen though is that it it ferrets out or divides those who embrace the technology, those who embrace the change, and those who do not. That's and if you don't embrace it, you're going to lose big time. We in universities. We're going to lose big time if we don't stay on top of the technology. And I have to say my university, I, I think, at least in my judgment, has stayed on top of it. And we're, uh, we're moving ahead. And if, if baby boomers like me, if we can't keep up, then we're going to be out. We're going to be gone. And that's where we should be. It's a challenge for guys like guys and gals like me. But I hope I meet the challenge. And I think that's the same way with your the, with builders, it's the same way in real estate, same way in finance, where some really some be- great changes are going coming forth. But man, you got to, it feels like you're, it's going to take your head off sometimes. But all I can do is get up in the morning and just try to, you know, go through it as best I can. Yeah, you, you guys are doing a, a good job there, Creighton. Well, thank uh, you. They do a good job. Now, they, they consider Creighton University the Stanford of the Midwest. Is that right? <laughs> well, you know, I, no, I consider Stanford the Creighton of the West. There you go. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I like that. We that's start a rivalry. Right. I love it. Yeah, that's right. Well, awesome. this has been great. I think, yeah. you know, we're a Jesuit school, and I think I'd, I'd like to think we offer a great education, and uh, I, I let our results speak for themselves. That's good. I hope, you know. There you go. That's great. Ernie, the information you've shared has been so insightful and helpful. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, be willing to share your kind of expertise with all of our listeners. And of course, we love hearing that, you know, if we all kind of buckle down here, hopefully we can have a quick recovery of two to three months. We'll, of course, keep uh, checking in uh, with your reports and seeing how that those numbers are lining up. Well, th- thanks. Uh, thanks. Uh, Tom and Paul, thanks for having me on. And I think uh, one thing the president, uh, President Trump, has said, and we economists sort of we 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 agree with the sentiment is we got to get back to work. I mean, it's bad when the cure is worse than the disease. And and we this is a scary time. And uh, I, I just I'm very concerned about the economy. Saying, well, let's just uh, let's let's shut down everything, but but those uh, essential industries. I, I I don't know how long we can go with that. I think we need we need to get back to work, and we'll I'll leave it up to the medical people and the politicians to decide when that is. 
Sure. Yeah. We'll obviously keep our eyes on that and we'll be excited when they, you know, lift all the bands and we can all start diving in and getting back to life, you know, as we used to know it, of course, it won't ever be the same, but that's sometimes for the best. You know, sometimes we need a little kick in the rear end to kind of figure out, uh, like you said, Ernie, earlier on, how to adopt something new and, and, and kind of change your pace a little bit potentially. But uh, ultimately, the, the whole goal is just moving forward and moving there faster and better and stronger. That's right. And thanks, thanks, uh, Dom. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Ernie. Love what you heard? Don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast so you can hear from more guests that will benefit your business. Also, please check out our show notes page for more information on what we discussed on this episode. You can find it at buildertrend.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Building Code. Appreciate you.